All right. Teenagers had two saved today, so good job for that. And uh, Dylan got to toot his own horn in church. That was awesome. No, he wasn't tooting his own horn. He's tooting his dad's horn. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever done that, tooted their dad's horn, but this is bothering me. All right, there we go. Now, all right, if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Timothy 4.12 and 1 Samuel 14.13. Thank you. There we go. All right. I didn't take them on uh, teen soul winning because I didn't want to break them. They're not working for leading music. That's why I haven't been wearing them. It's the progressive, so there's three different spots. It's too, high, it's too hard to find that spot when you're leading the singing. And I'm like, you know, and I don't want to do that. So I'm hopefully getting me somewhere it'll just do just the singing and just the looking at you guys, uh, if that's important. But anyway, uh, but these, these are good for reading, but uh, they're not good for leading the singing. So, But hopefully they'll be good for preaching. Uh, tonight we're um, going to talk about... Uh, uh, obviously, I started praying a couple weeks, a couple days ago, weeks ago, no, one of those. In between that, uh, Pastor said, you're preaching Wednesday night. I said, okay, so obviously I started praying, and the, the Lord laid this on my heart, and I was like, eh, you know, arguing with the Lord, like it's going to work. Uh, but I was like, eh, and he said, no, this is what I want you to talk about. So I was like, okay, and uh, I've been the youth director now for about, I don't know, two years, I guess, uh, and I'm, I'm number nine in the history of the church. And uh, so, uh, obviously, we're going to preach about youth tonight. You said, well, I'm not a youth. It's been a long time since I've been a youth. And uh, I agree. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, you can still pray for these guys, all right? And uh, in, in 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, let no man despise thy youth. Everybody in here is a man. That, part, that talks about mankind, okay? Let no man, no part of mankind despise the youth. Uh, and uh, I don't think these guys do anything to be despised. They might do something that needs to be knocked upside the head every once in a while. Uh, but I think they're great kids. And uh, obviously, I love it when they play in church and things like that and serve God with their talents that God's given them. makes me excited. And uh, when I see them, you know, chasing people down the street, trying to give them a gospel track, uh, you know, getting hollered at and everything, but not letting it affect them, and uh, it's getting hot. Uh, and and soul winning in Florida is not fun sometimes when it's hot. Uh, but they just like a machine. Uh, that's what Daniel uh, Meyer said he came out of his parents' house today and <laughs> the, the, the cul-de-sac was full of teenagers. And it was our teenagers. And I was like, were you wearing your Speedo and your wife beater? And he said, no, no, I was fully, fully dressed like this. I was like, okay, good. Uh, so that, I was like, that is great. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, so I'm glad he was, because he said he was there taking a shower. I thought maybe it was just real quick, you know. So, but anyway. The Bible says right there, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. So they're supposed to be example, but I think we can flip that around. We're supposed to be examples to them. All right? They need to see somebody out in front of them doing the right thing. And uh, they're, obviously they get enough from the world and, and uh, things like that trying to clamor for their attention. Uh, but I think they ought to have great examples sitting in front of them. And they do. Uh, I mean, they have bus captains they look up to. They have Sunday school teachers they look up to. Uh, some of you, you don't, you don't think they look up to you, but they do. Uh, they, they see faithfulness. Uh, you, you know, year in and year out, they see you. Uh, some of you are good examples of a, a, of a good marriage that they might want to have one day uh, and things like that. So I think both ways. I think these guys are great examples of teenagers. They're not perfect. Uh, but they're great examples of teenagers, and I believe we have a great church uh, to, to be examples. Uh, so you might say, I'm not a youth, and it's been a long time since I've even had a youth in my house. 
And, uh, you know, I thought I was done with that. Uh, but here they come more. Uh, and you know, my kids are having kids. I was like, come on. All right. And I'm, I'm looking for this empty nest. But, uh, but and I slept fine last night. I, I don't know if they fed them or if they just let them cry. I don't I, I slept fine. Uh, but anyway, uh, but our church has, has great youth in it. And so, and we all can be examples of that. So by the way of introduction, uh, I'm basically going to give you what a youth director is not, uh, what a youth director is, I guess the body of the sermon uh, with the points, and then in conclusion, I'm going to give you some of my philosophy. All right, and so and, and let me just go ahead and say I don't have it all figured out. Uh, I'm just like you, raising my kids. I stayed on my knees, and I stayed in this book, and I sought pastor's advice, uh, and that's all you can do. All right, because ultimately they get to decide if you're a success or not. Uh, you can do all that. Pray for them. Beat them. Well, let's say spank. I guess that's a better word. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, because I never beat my kids, especially not with a machete. And uh, it was in the sheath. <laughs> they say it wasn't in the sheath. It was in the sheath. But anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, I don't have it all figured out. But I, I, I have watched. I've been here for 30 years so and nine youth directors later. Uh, so I've seen some things that worked, some things that didn't. Uh, I've seen, uh, you know, things like that. So what, what we're going to talk about, what a youth director is not, what a youth director is, uh, that body, and then we'll get to the conclusion. I'll throw you out some, some of my advice. You can take it or leave it. Uh, but what a youth director is not, first of all, a youth director, and I've been saying it, youth director, youth director, because it's not a youth pastor. They got one pastor. All right? And I, I push these guys to the pastor. Uh, I don't want them to look at me more than they look at him. Because uh, the only thing I'm going to say is what he would say. Uh, that's what a youth director does. Points them to the pastor. And uh, these three that's been on their trip, I hope they've already got a meeting set up with him. What's next, pastor? And if they don't, they should. All right, what's next, pastor? Uh, and my, my two was like that. As soon as they got back, all right, now you're fixing to go into a new realm of your life. Go sit down with the pastor and ask him what's next. Uh, so what a youth director is not, he's not the pastor. Secondly, uh, because, you know, I, I don't want to give an account for their souls. I'll let pastor do that. You read Hebrews 13, 17, he's got to give an account for them. Uh, so he, he, he deserves to be the pastor. Number two, uh, a youth director is not the parent. I don't want to take your place. Uh, again, uh, I would never tell them that you, you don't know how, what you're talking about. All right? I would never tell them, hey, you just listen to me and forget about what your parents say. I'm just telling you, I would never say that to them. God gave them to you, all right? not me. Uh, I mean, you know them way better than I do. And so don't, don't ever think that, oh, Brother Stanley's just trying to take my place, make me look stupid. No, sir. All right? I lift you up. Why? Because the Bible says honor thy father and mother. It didn't say honor your youth director. All right, because they better be doing some honoring of you, not me. Uh, and that's what, I'm, I'm, that's what a youth director is not. Ephesians 6.2 says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. And there's a ton of other places in the Bible where it tells you to honor your father and mother. Number three, uh, it's not just one of the other the teens. Can you imagine a 51-year-old, yo, 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 homie, what's up? They'd be like, <laughs> they'd laugh me out of there. Uh, 51, trying to be a teenager. Uh, I, I think people are stupid like that. You know, they're 51-year-old, and they're placing their hair trying to look cool, all right? And, uh, you know, they're getting this tatted or that, you know, trying to, you know, dude, just give it up. Be 50, all right? I'm awesome. I'm 50. One, 51. There we go. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm happy at being 51. So that's what a youth director is not. He's not the pastor. Uh, he's not the parent replacement. 
uh, and he's not one of the guys. All right? I can whip them all, but uh, I'm not just one of the guys. And let's see here. So what the youth director is, and some of you military guys may have heard this term before, uh, but he's basically the eyes on the ground. Eyes on the ground. That's, that's my job. And to watch out for these guys. Uh, in military terms, obviously, if you've got guys on the ground, radioing back to the guys in the air, they're working together. Uh, that's my job. Uh, eyes on the ground, let pastor know. This, this one's in this trouble. This one's doing this. Maybe even sending a text message to you. This is what <laughs> I caught your doofus doing. And uh, I've done it. And, uh, and we don't have to say amen or anything to acknowledge that. But uh, I've sent some text messages and, you know, uh, eyes on the ground. And, uh, you know, they're hearing me say it, but they'll still do something stupid enough for me to tell on them about. <laughs> you would think they'd figure that out. Oh, Brother Stanley's going to tell. Yeah, Brother Stanley will keep telling. All right. Uh, but I'm eyes on the ground. And I'm going to give you an example of this because this whole sermon, uh, you know, again, this is why God gave it to me. I wondered for my whole life uh, from the time I was, I don't even know how old I was, when I could carry a wedge. I don't know if you know what a wedge is. A wedge is a piece of wood that's cut into a wedge that you drive between the cement block or cat block uh, and trailer frame on the mobile home and tighten it up. Uh, I remember being out there, and that's all I could carry was a wedge. My dad, go get me a wedge. But I was helping my dad, buddy. I grabbed me some wedges, and I'd give them to him. I was excited about it. So from that time, when I was that small till I guess just a couple years ago when we set those things up over there on the property that are taken down now, but I didn't have to tow the block. Woo! Praise the Lord. That was awesome. Uh, but anyway, I've been doing it my whole life. And I was like, why? I mean, yeah, it taught me how to work. Yeah, I mean, it makes you pretty stout. If you can carry trailer tires and axles and blocks all your life, you, you, you get pretty strong and uh, things like that. So I thought that, that's cool. Uh, but this whole sermon, I mean, if you think of the word, you know, director, I get to direct a lot. I direct the choir. And my job is to get everybody, whether it's 30 of us or 80 of us when we get to the new property, get everybody to do the same thing at the same time. That's my job. All right, stop. And we have a few solos every once in a while. You know, I'll go whoop and somebody, ha! Ah. I hope nobody saw that. They did. <laughs> they saw it, all right? They're like, hoo-hoo, yeah, amen. All right? But we've had a few solos like that. You know, they, that wasn't on the schedule. They just wanted to have one. But anyway, uh, I get to direct a choir. And I... A while ago, I was directing y'all in song, and that's, that's exciting for me. I love those songs. I love to see y'all smile uh, when, when, the, when the song means something to you. Uh, I love it, and things like that. And then, lo and behold, pastor lets me direct these motards, all right, and, uh, and just, and, you know, goodness. So I get to direct, but that was my job. When I got a little older, past carrying the wedge was a director, all right? I told my dad, and some people call it a moan backer. Anybody know what a moan backer is? All right, some of you do. Uh, I was standing in the back, moan back, moan back. All right, and my favorite thing to do was when he was up in the truck and I'm going moan back, I'd go, whoa! And I mean, he truck is like that. And I'd go, all right, come on back. Oh, it'd make him so mad. But he fell for it every time, every time. So that was my job was a moan backer. And uh, so I was directing. So let me see. Brother G, you stand up for me. All right. Now, Dylan, go get in that room right there and leave that door open. All right, Dylan is trouble. I mean, he is a mess, and he's, he's very, very much trouble. Now, can you see him? No. I can. All right, and so what my dad, what I do, and he said, okay, go in the back. Tell me how far to come back. Be my moan backer. I'd go back there, you know, moan back, moan back. He's like, no, 
I want to see you. But I said, Dad, I can't see the back if I'm on back in you. All right. And so that's what he would do. He'd make me get over here like this so I could see him, but I could see the trouble. And so obviously I was directing him, keeping him out of trouble. Keeping Brother G out of trouble was a hard job, amen? Uh, but anyway, that's what, that's what my job was to do. Get to where you can see the trouble and keep me from getting into it. Y'all can be seated. Thank y'all. So that's, that's my job as a youth director. Eyes on the ground. Keep them from getting in trouble. And I know that's your job as well as a parent. And that's your job as well as a teacher and, and, and church members, things like that. But that was my job was the moanbacker. So God knew what he was doing when he put me there. And uh, so the first thing, my, my points now are, the first thing that a moanbacker does or a uh, director does is survey the situation. Survey the situation. Now, all these examples I'm going to give you real quick. All right, and some of you will get it, some of you won't. All right, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but uh, the reason that I can give you these just like clockwork is because it happened to me. All right, when you go out to move a mobile home, you walk up on that place where they want it, and they usually want it, you know, where like the trailer is 14 feet wide or 16 now, 80 feet long, and they got a 12 by 20 spot. That's what, you know, put it right there. Dude, it won't fit. All right, that's, that's where I usually want it. So there's lots of trouble when you're trying to back those things in. But the key things that you've got to look for every time is the water pipe. Now, those things weigh thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds, and a water pipe is, you know, three-quarter inch, you know, half, you know whatever the, the wall is. And if you back one over that, you're going to have some trouble. So my job was to survey the situation, find out where the water pipe was, because I've laid him back over a lot of them. And you got to dig them up. And you got to replace them. And usually you can't find the shutoff. That's crazy. You get a water pipe busted and everybody's, where's the shutoff? You might have thought of, should have thought of that before you started, you know, working on that. All right. Amen, Brother French. All right. There you go. <laughs> we were at Pastor's house the other day. He's in there working on this thing. Water going everywhere. Where's the shutoff? We're all running everywhere. <laughs> so anyway, so we know what we're talking about, right? Uh, but anyway. Survey the situation. Where's the water pipe? Here's something worse. Where's the septic tank? You know what? I've let him back over one of those. That's worse than trying to fix water. Goodness. So survey the situation. I knew where the, the water was. I knew where the septic tank was. Uh, here's some, here's some uh, tie downs. You might not know what that is. Obviously, it ties it to the ground so the tornadoes and the hurricanes and that kind of stuff doesn't bother it. I'm sorry. <laughs> if a hurricane or a tornado hits it, it's going to destroy it, uh, whether you got tied in or not. But anyway, they're, they're, they're the world's worst at busting a tire. And if you bust a tire, then you got to fix that and all that kind of stuff. Low-hanging wires, I've let one go down through there and just took off about half the shingles. And uh, my dad's like, feeling a little pressure or anything. Oh, yeah, come on, on back, on back. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Re replace that roof. Well, I didn't get paid that week. Uh, Low-hanging branches. Oh, man, they'll mess up, you know, smokestacks for your chimneys. They'll take them right off every time. Uh, so then is there anything else that might need move, cut, you know, fix, anything like that? And then soft spots. You know, you need to walk around. I mean, I, back then I was a buck 55, I think, soaking wet. So I didn't squish down in the water, in the mud like I do now. But you better look for them soft spots because if you ever let it go down, you've got to dig under that frame where you can get a jack on there and good luck getting something under there with it to get it up. It just takes forever. But if you'd survey, 
and look for all those things, then you can be a really good moan backer. You can be a really good uh, director, and you can get in there without an instance. So there's lots of stuff these guys will get in trouble with. And so that's, that's my job. Eyes on the ground. What's going to mess them teenagers up? Whoa! Stop! This right here is going to be a problem. So survey the situation. And then we see here anything that would uh, impede the moving progress, that's what we've got to do. Flip over to 1 Samuel 14, 13. I think you're already there. If you're not, you can. Uh, 1 Samuel 4, 13. 1 Samuel 4, 13 says this. Talking about Eli, it says here, And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon the seat by the wayside watching. This is what he was doing. He was watching. It says here, For his heart trembled. For the ark of God. If you're a watcher or a director or a moan backer and you're right with God and you've got the Holy Spirit flowing through you, he will indicate to you some issues. Eli saw, oh my goodness. He knew. Right? He was right with God. He was the preacher. Uh, and they were moving the ark and he, his heart trembled. Why? Because he was watching. He saw that there was fixing to be some trouble. And uh, I know with my boys, the Holy Spirit did that for me. Why? Because I was on my knees praying for them all the time. I wanted to tra train them right, teach them right, raise them up right. And sometimes the Holy Spirit trembled my heart and said, you need to watch this, okay? And that's what a youth director does. If my heart trembles and I go talk to them and say, look, what are you getting into? What, what's wrong? Nothing. That's the first answer for everything. All right? You know, nothing. And their eyes get real big. Okay. Uh, my heart trembled for some reason. All right, eyes on the ground. That's what a youth director does. Uh, and we see uh, next, <clears throat> Eli was watching. Now let's go to 2 Kings 11.5. I'll give you three of these. 2 Kings 11.5. What does a youth director do? He's eyes on the ground. If his heart trembles, he's supposed to holler, whoa. Holler, that's a good southern word. All right. 2 Kings 11.5, it says here, And he commanded them, saying, This is the thing. <laughs> now this right here, this is the thing that you should do. A third part of you that enter on the Sabbath day shall be in keepers of the watch and the king's house. And so Brother G said this Sunday night when he pointed at me. He's the watchman in the tower. That's what a youth director is supposed to do, watch. And it says right here, this is the thing. What? A third part of you better watch. Keepers of the watch. Uh, why? Uh, that's what the parents' jobs to do. That's what the pastors' jobs do. That's what the youth director's job is. Sunday school teachers, bus captains, anybody. Uh, if you see them out there, you know, soul winning and they're talking about things they shouldn't be, I don't mind you telling me. If, if, I, if I was the parent, I wouldn't mind you telling me. I'd rather you embarrass me and me be able to fix the problem than to let them just keep on going. So that's what we're supposed to be, keepers of the watch. This is the thing. As a parent, as a pastor, as a youth director, as anybody that's an example to the teenagers, watch. Don't just be oblivious. You know, there's some people out there that are parents that shouldn't be. All right? Not in here, but out there in the world. They're just oblivious. Their kids are doing all kinds of stuff. Even young ones. Uh, they have no clue what's going on. Don't be oblivious. Keep, keepers of the watch. See, Nehemiah 4.9. Nehemiah 4.9. You don't have to turn if you don't want to. If you want to see them, you can. It says here, nevertheless, we make our prayers. So the first one we see here, Eli's heart trembled. Why? Because he was, he was keeping watch. 
This is the thing. We're supposed to keep watch. And then thirdly, it says, Nevertheless, our prayers unto our God and set a watch against the day and night because of them. Because of them. Uh, every, anytime God ever woke me up when I had kids in my home, I said, okay, God, what, what am I supposed to pray for? I didn't go, oh, man. <laughs> Stink. All right, or turn the TV back on or whatever. Uh, no, okay, you woke me up for a reason. Make your prayers. Why? Because of them. They deserve prayer. They deserve examples. They deserve to be taught. And that's what he was saying here. Nevertheless, make your prayers day and night. So pray for them. Uh, anybody can do that. And you've heard pastors say, I'll fight you for you. I've told all them that. I'll make you hate me, mad at me, whatever I have to do if it'll keep you out of trouble. That's what a watcher does. That's what a moan backer does. Keep them out of trouble. Survey the situation. Number two, stop them before they make a huge mistake. So, man, woohoo! All right? Uh, so you survey the situation, and I don't care how many times you look, sometimes you miss something. But if you're watching that tire, and he's moan backing, and all of a sudden, oh, I didn't see that the first time I looked. Whoa! And then you know, I'm glad he didn't think I was the boy that cried wolf and just keep on coming because I really meant it that time. All right. Uh, whoo, man, that was a water pipe or that was a septic system or that was this or that was that. Uh, whoa. So stop them before they make a big mistake. This is the key. James 1, 14 and 15. I do want you to turn there. James 1, 14 and 15. So the second thing a youth director does, first thing he does is survey the situation. Secondly, he stops them before they make a huge mistake. And James 1, 14 and 15 talks about this. But every man, when he is tempted, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, and when the lust hath conceived it, bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. I mean, I've given them examples of, of relatives that I know of that have died because they were running from God. I've given them examples of youth, uh, teenagers that used to be in the same youth group that are dead today. Because they were running from God. It says right there, when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Uh, that's, what, uh, that's what eyes on the ground says, hey, there's death laying here. We got to be careful. Uh, watch for it. And so it says here, when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And I've told them, who's the one that can say it's finished? Not you. Not your parents. Not the pastor. Not me. Nobody. God says when it's finished. And so it said, you know, what we're going to do is stop before we make a huge mistake. So if you don't want to die, if you look at that verse and go backwards, if you don't want to die, stay as far away from sin as possible. Why? Because sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death. Stay away from it. So if you don't want to die, stay away from sin. But if you don't want to sin, it says here, stay as far away from enticement as possible. So in other words, have some rules and regulations on them. Keep them from being enticed. Then if you don't want to die, stay away from sin. If you don't want to sin, stay away from enticement. And if you don't want to be enticed, stay away from temptation. You put those things there. Uh, so there's been times where I saw the water pipe, but then I had to watch on this side. So I went over here and put a cement block and said, Dad, well, that cement block represents water pipe. So he can look in the mirror, see that brick, and see me over here watching for this limb because there was too much to watch for. I guarantee you there's too much to watch for. It's going to take us all. And if we don't want them to die, we, want to, we don't want them to sin. If we don't want them to sin, we've got to keep them from being enticed. And if we don't want them to be enticed, we've got to keep them away from temptation. As far away as possible. That's our job. Number two. Or number three. First was survey the situation. Number two, stop them before they make a huge mistake. 
Number three, slow them down when things get shaky. Slow them down when things get shaky. Some dad, I know this thing's 16 feet wide and 80 feet long, and it looks like to me it's going to be real close. So over here is a huge oak tree. Could do some damage. <laughs> over here is somebody's car. We can't get it to move. Could do some damage. So we're going to have to go real slow. Take it easy. I just taught these three seniors last week, I guess it was, maybe two weeks ago, on dating. I told them that's the, that's the most important word on dating. Go slow. Go slow. All right? You've been told all your life, you're not going to date. Mm-mm, not going to date. Okay, you can date. Whoa! <laughs> slow down. All right? Date anything that's got a skirt or anything that's got a bicep. You know, whoa! Dude, slow down. All right? You're not, you're not in a race. Just go slow. So that's what I tell him. Easy. We're going to go real easy. Now, listen for me. Sometimes I'd have to get the walkie-talkie and go up underneath and, you know, tell him, go slow. Uh, be those eyes on the ground. And so we see uh, if that tire goes close to that water pipe or that septic system or whatever, be careful, go slow. Sometimes I'd have to say, stop, pull back up, and let's regroup, try this again. They might be need to be told that sometimes. You give them something, they just do stupid with it. Give it back to me. We're going to let you mature a little while grow a little while and then you might get it back so pull back up get a regroup so don't rush don't hurry go slow dr howe's sermon on don't rush a wash machine awesome for teenagers if you're going to google something google that guys uh, don't rush the wash machine survey the situation stop them before they make a huge mistake slow them down and lastly uh, what we want them to do is get set on that foundation that's what the whole movement of the mobile home was about they wanted it set on that foundation. I hope these guys know I want them to be right where God wants them to be. I think their parents want them to be right where God wants them to be. I know their pastor wants them to be right where God wants them to be. So you need some directors, some moanbackers, some woe screamers. All right, there's problems because we want them set at that last section. Now, here's my part. And uh, obviously all that rest, I hope, was scripture. And I'm going to give you one scripture for my part, and we'll go for it. This is my philosophy, Brother Stanley 101, Brother Stanley theology, whatever you want to call it. But this is my philosophy. Go to Deuteronomy 6, 7. <laughs> I got my philosophy from the Bible as well. And this, this involves more than just youth. All the way from itty-bitty babies, all right, to grown-ups. Till they, till they leave the house. Deuteronomy 6, 7 says this. And thou shalt teach them. And that them right there, if you look back in verse 6, it's talking about the words of God. All of us, if you have a child, you're supposed to teach them not haphazardly, not when you get around to it, not if you feel good or you feel bad, but diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk to them when thou sittest down in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when you're out in public, teach them. And when thou liest down, teach them. And when thou risest up, teach them. Now, uh, it's up to you to make that as fun as possible. Because if you have kids like, oh, Dad, we know. We've heard it a billion times. Well, you're going to hear it a billion and one. It's my responsibility. And I showed them this verse. All right? But you got it over and over and over. Uh, one thing I told my boys when, you know, when they could understand. I was like, you're never having a girlfriend until you get to college. I mean, I told them that when they were one. 
And they were two. You're never having a girlfriend until you get to college. Uh, I remember like sixth grade, one of them said, well, I'm not supposed to have a girlfriend when I get to college, but if I could have one, I would have. <laughs> I was like, don't you get close to her, all right? Uh, so, I mean, the philosophy was in there from the time they were one. Don't wait till they're 17 and say, you're not supposed to have a girlfriend. <laughs> and no, it's not. And there's no way. You can't rein it back in. Uh, I tell them all the time, I'm keeping the juicy fruit from flowing as long as I can. They're what? what's juicy fruit, brother? It's a gum, all right? You chew it, and flavor comes out. Uh, so, but I'm not getting the, the juices for the boyfriend-girlfriend thing going, mm-mm. Squish it, squish it, squish it. It'll take place. Uh, never get, yeah, you will. All right, but anyway, you don't have to read, look at these, but I'll read them to you. 1 Peter 2.2 says, A newborn babe desires a sincere milk of the word uh, that they may grow thereby. So obviously, if you've got youngins, you're going to have to go with sincere milk. Start small. Uh, and I'm going to give you all these in just a second. And then it says here, uh, Hebrews 5.13, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful. <laughs> they'll spill it. They'll puke it. They'll do all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then it says here, the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Isaiah 28.13. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept. And he repeats that, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. This is, those verses right there were my philosophy when I found out I was going to have a child. And I use it in every situation. And for the time I got left, I'm going to give you a bunch of them. Just boom, boom, boom. Why? Because it all works. It's Bible. All right? And you'll, you'll see here, it works for sports. It works for school. It works for everything, line upon line, precept upon precept, and it was my responsibility. So you, you can't force feed babies, you know, T-bones. Uh, you can push it. You can put it in their crib. They're not going to eat it. They need, they need milk. So you start with milk, and I'm just going to give you these just real quick. You start with milk. Everybody remembers the milk, and then you add some cereal to it because the milk's not satisfying. And then you go to baby food. And then you cut up their regular food. And if they like it, they'll eat it. If they don't, they throw it. Uh, then you got real food. Okay, and you, you see the process? Precept upon precept. You start them with milk. And you give them some cereal. And then you give them some baby food. We tried it all. Apricots, carrots, and um, they had all over. Now they won't eat anything. But anyway, uh, we, we tried. All right, Line upon line, precept upon precept. Even with their food. And then when it was crawling time. You know, they're, they're squishing around, squishing around. And then all of a sudden, they crawled. No, they just fell forward. Uh, but anyway, you, you, know, you knew they crawled. And then they walked a little bit with some help. And they got a walker. And then they could walk a little faster. And then they started to run. And then they would fall, things like that. Uh, it was just line upon line, precept upon precept. And that's what I always told my boys. I was like, look, you don't have to be the best at anything. But you better do your best at everything. And that's exactly what this is talking about. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Don't get all freaked out about it, but just build upon it. Uh, you, just, you have to. Everything. Here's, here, here we go. Some sounds. Yeah, they started making sounds. Cooing and cawing and, and, and other sounds we won't mention. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, they started making some sounds. And then they would say, you know, words. It's kind of like they're saying it and everybody else is like, what? And you ask the mom and they say, this is what he's saying. All right. You can figure it out. Uh, it's not a real word, it's close, all right? So they started with that, and then they actually got real words, and you were mad. I wish they would say it like this still, all right? Yeah, no, they, they got real words, uh, and then they started, you know, with broken sentences. They would put pieces of this, you know, papa, pay, or papa, pay, 
That's what Colton's saying now. We've got to go pay in the room. All right? And he's a Papa, sit. I guess he's heard me tell the dogs that. Uh, but, then he, but then he wants to shoop. He wants to shoop the basketball. Papa, sit. Colton, shoop. And he's shooping. He's shooping. He's shooping. And I don't mind. Just keep shooping, brother. And, uh, but anyway, then they get sentences. And then broken sentences. Then they go to kindergarten. And then moms really cry. All right, and then they go to first grade, real school, all the way to sixth grade. Then they go to junior high, and then they go to senior high. And then if they go off to college, things like that, line upon line, precept upon precept. You're just building it. And you're liking some of these. are going to get where you might not like some of them. All right. Then you say, okay, line upon line. I remember wanting my boys to, uh, they had their first four-wheeler when they were like, couldn't walk. But they had one. Uh, it was electric. Plug it into the wall. Uh, I think Jason was scared of it. Brian, he, he'd jump off the house with it. Uh, but anyway, they had a, they had an electric four-wheeler. And they had a, a tricycle. And then they had a bicycle with training wheels. And then they had <clears throat> bikes, bikes without training wheels. That's our job. Stay out there in the street as long as you have to. This is life. All right? Life. You think, oh, it's not important. Yes, it is. You, you just stop feeding them milk. I don't want to feed them milk. They're going to die. Right? You stop doing any of this stuff. They're not going to make it. It's our responsibility. Line upon line, preset upon preset. They took the training wheels off. And then they got a four-wheeler. And then now they're driving cars. Woo. All right. At line upon line. I remember getting that little, little tykes basketball goal. And they got it where they could shoot that. And we got a lowered basketball goal. And then a real goal. And then we had what I call driveway time. All right, we wasn't going inside until they could beat Dad hitting free throws. We never went inside. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, we, we stayed in the driveway on and on and on. And then they, they got to where they could, they went to youth league. And then they made JV. And then they played varsity. And then they played intramural college. Uh, why? Because Dad taught them. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, I remember telling them when they went to, when we finally got our gym, they were crazy about it. I was like, if I see you shoot a three-pointer, you won't shoot again in here for a week. That's mean. That's where everybody goes, right? When you get a basketball, go behind the three-point line. No, I wanted to learn how to shoot. You stay at that free-throw line. Learn this. Not. Mm -mm. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Well, that was mean. They probably they can shoot really good. All right, why? Because they learned how. Uh, and they didn't throw it. They shot it. And, uh, again, you ask them, say, why can you shoot basketball so good? They'll, they better say, because my dad. Uh, but anyway. Uh, but line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, here, here's some more. The, the baseball glove that I got them, the first one that they got was a, was a Velcro glove. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Inside where you could throw the ball and it would stick. All right, so I had to be good. I had to hit that glove. We're good, Dad. All right, and, and so because if, if they miss, I would say, oh, bad throw. All right, it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. They missed because I threw it bad. I didn't want to crush them. You idiot, you can't catch there are three. I mean, line upon line, precept upon precept. So I'd hit that there. They'd catch, oh, man. And then they got a tee ball where they hit it off the tee. And then I'd underhand it. You know, you want to play a baseball game, Brian? And the boy, he was ready to, he could hit it. And if they ever missed, bad throw. Build them up. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Then they got a wham. We had to go knock on the neighbor's door. <laughs> Can we get our ball back? All right. You teach them, line upon line. Uh, and then they went to youth activities and didn't strike out in softball. Line upon line, precept upon precept. It's our job. Then it says here, they, they, you know, 
here's a good one. Plastic guns. They had them. Oh, I can't take care. They had plastic guns, but they were taught what plastic guns would do. And then they had cap guns. And, and then oh, I got them a BB gun when they were seven. Come on. But it stayed in the cabinet with the BBs underneath. Only time they ever shot it was in the backyard with that. Why? Because it was line upon line, precept upon precept. They went from a cap gun that made a pop to a BB that really shot something. Why? So then at 10, they could have a 22. Same rule with that, shooting, controlled. Why? Because at 12, they had to have a rifle so they could shoot a deer. And that's just the way it is, line upon line. But if I'd have just gave them the 30-30 at, you know, 4, here you go, bud. No. Line upon line, precept upon precept, teach them. Then, same way with work. You tell them to help clean their room, show them where it goes. You know, you've heard it all. You know, everything has a place, but you know, every place has a thing in it, all that kind of stuff. You show them. Then you tell them to go clean your room. Then you tell them to take out the trash. That was fun. I mean, I didn't have to. Right? And uh, the funny part was that the driveway being really long, and you know, I would always remind them at dark, go take out the trash. <laughs> And they would, that's how they learned how to run fast, <laughs> coming back to the house. <laughs> so you teach them how to work. And then you, you teach them how to mow the grass. And then, and then if they can mow the grass, then they can get their own yards to mow and, and make money, things like that. Uh, spiritual stuff. You got to start, again, line upon line, precept upon precept. I didn't preach them sermons when they were two, but we read Bible story books. And we acted out stuff, and we made it exciting and fun. And, uh, I mean, we had, uh, I guess, the Bible story books. There was two series of them from when they were a baby till probably six or seven. And then we had an older section. And then when they got to be teenagers, boy, I just Proverbs, 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 Proverbs. I don't know if you've ever read Proverbs, uh, but it has a lot to say about that young man. And, boy, they got that line upon line, precept upon precept. And then when they turned about 16, uh, you know, crucify me if you want to, but we stopped having family devotions. They had to have the personal ones. And I checked it, made sure. Uh, why? Because they can't have family devotions forever. They need to start having their own. Uh, and here's when singing. I mean, they could sing from when they were T90. Uh, I remember when we went from the minivan man, that was me, the minivan man to the car. And they went from way back there to right here. Good night, turn it down. I mean, then they, they sang forever. Uh, but we taught them how. Uh, but we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't let them sing in church up here till they were like seventh grade. Wow, we didn't want to create no prima donnas. No, I want you to be scared to death about to wet yourself when you come up here. So you'll trust God, not think, boy, everybody going to hear me, buddy. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Don't create monsters. Make them earn stuff. Make them think about it where they mature enough to, to, to do it. Uh, and then I, I don't think they even sang a solo until they were in college. And they were good enough to do it a long time before that. I just wanted it to be where they could handle it. Uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. I told you they'd start getting a little bit more. Here's one. Here we go. Video games. Line upon line, precept upon precept. 
Their first one was Pac-Man. These guys are like, what's Pac-Man? All right, I mean, woo, 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 woo. Right. That was it. Their first one was Pac-Man. My first one was, what's that little stick? Bloop, bloop, bloop. All right, you know, that was it. You start them, don't get them all that crazy junk when they're young. Oh, you might not just, don't get them that crazy junk. They went from Pac-Man to duck hunt. All right, I always wanted to shoot the dog. And he laughed at you when you missed. Well, they went from that to duck hunt. They didn't, they didn't ever shoot people. They just shot, they just shot animals. We're going to eat animals. Because I think, you know, I think the problem with people shooting, I think there was another shooting today. I think it's more on the video games than it is the gun. Because they had a plastic gun, and they had a cap gun, and they had the BB gun, and they had the 22, and they hadn't shot anybody. But they weren't 24-7 blowing people's heads off their whole life. I'm just telling you what I did. If they had a shooting game, it was an animal so we could eat it. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. If they, if they had sports, everybody on that sports video had clothes on. It was hard to find. But if they didn't have clothes on, again, I want to keep the juicy fruit from flowing for a long, long time. They didn't have girls coming across there or cheering for them. Just, just being the eyes on the ground. Uh, if they were, you know, if there were sports or racing or anything like that, it didn't have rock music on it. It didn't have scantily clad girls on it. And if they played for 30 minutes, sorry, fellas, if they played on the video game for 30 minutes, they had to go to the driveway for 30 minutes. False balance is abomination to the Lord. Sorry, bud. You're not going to be a video freak, video game freak, and not be able to dribble. Going out there. And... Here we go, line upon line, precept upon precept with girls. You'll have to ask somebody else that had girls, but I had guys, so I had girl rules. Told you that, no girlfriends till you got to college. Uh, so, at, you know, at banquet time, you know, seventh and eighth graders couldn't ask about anybody. Ninth grade could. I made my boys meet their date at the thing. I drove them there, let their mom drive them. Ninth grade, hey, you're getting to go with a girl, but you're just not getting that juicy fruit flowing too quick. Tenth grade. You can go, and you can actually go pick her up, but guess who's going to be your chaperone? Right here. Dad. <laughs> 11th grade, you can ask an approved staff member or somebody like that. That's my approval. 12th grade, you got a choice. You can rent a car and stay with me, or you can ask somebody else that's approved. That's what I did. Uh, let's see here. College dating. I, I kept telling them. Now, you can have a girlfriend, but you better get mama's approval because mama's no girls better than daddy's do. If mama doesn't like her, it ain't going to work. And you're going to have to get pastor's approval. So that's dating. Here's, here's another one. This is about as good as the video games, the phones. <laughs> when my boys got their candy when they're junior year right at the end of the, you know, Junior year, guess what they did when they went to sell candy? They had to take their mommy's phone. <laughs> and when they returned to senior, they got a phone, but it was a what they called a dumb phone. It wasn't a smartphone. It didn't have any internet access. Oh, man. And then they went off to college. They finally got a smartphone, 
But then when the college sent them on tour and I had to start paying that bill, I still got to look at it. And there was a couple times I was like, hey, too much texting. It better stop. You want me to stop paying that phone bill? I'll stop. So I'm just line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, that's just what I did. And we see <clears throat> that's what a youth director is. He surveys the situation. He slows them down if they're about to make a huge mistake. Uh, uh, he tells them to go slow when things get shaky. And his ultimate goal is to have them set on that foundation where God can bless them. And again, we can do all that we can do. Pray for them, be examples, teach, fuss, whatever. But ultimately, it's still their choice. They can choose to walk in that way or they can choose to go the other way. But like preacher used to say, I can look in the mirror. If my, if my two ever go wrong, praise God, they haven't yet. But if they ever go wrong, I can look in that mirror and said I did line upon line, precept upon precept, didn't aid and abed in any juicy fruitness, didn't aid and bed in any sin. And praise God, I could go to sleep that night saying they chose. I didn't help. 